That's how we do things. That's how we do things. <laughs> that's caveman, right? Yeah. Sweet, man. All right. So uh, if you wouldn't mind just talking, let's go back to the storytelling. Okay. So were you always a natural storyteller or was that something that you picked up along the lines of being an entrepreneur and getting into business and, you know, your journey in life? Uh well, a little bit of both. I have always been inspired by nature and by people and by culture. And so I've always loved the story, but I have made it my job. In fact, I've designed my life around being the chief storyteller for Food Forest Abundance. Um, and one of my favorite quotes of all time is Victor Hugo. He said, there's one thing stronger than all of the armies of the world, and that is an idea whose time has come. And that's the idea I'm going to share with you and your audience today. It's happening and we're changing the world fast. Love it. Well, you can't just leave it there. What is this idea? Because I'm going to forget. Ah, it'll unfold as we talk. But okay, the idea, okay. yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you it real simply put is, you know, this idea that the Garden of Eden is a utopic fantasy. And I'm not talking about a religious place. That's great. I'm talking about the logical step of growing food instead of lawns, which is actually easier than growing a lawn and creates radical abundance. This solution, this embarrassingly simple solution will reverse mass extinction and deforestation and cancer and diabetes and heart disease and literally end all of the forms of tyranny. Wow. Okay, so you caught my attention because I always speak on being self-reliant. Um, and in, in every regard, right? From, from, from a financial standpoint, be able to grow your own food. You know, if, if you're an animal eater, maybe you have some cattle, goats, whatever, chickens, all that kind of stuff. And like, that's like my 10-year plan is to, to be completely self-reliant for, for myself and for my family, um, which I guess will lead me into this question, which is food forest. And it's, it's interesting because I feel like there's been a lot of people, startups in particularly, but a, a lot of businesses have tried to do this to some extent, um, not necessarily what you're doing, what you have done and what you've accomplished, but to really leverage this idea of being self-reliant. And that can be as, as simple as um, uh, like, look at all of the, okay, so from a diet nutritional standpoint, look at everything that has been coming into play for the last like five years. I remember when like the, okay, think back to like Meals on Wheels for like the elderly who don't have the capacity or the, um, uh, you know, the strength or they may have illnesses and things like that to be able to provide for themselves. And then you, you take it to a step further where fast food came into play and everybody that just didn't have time to eat healthy, um, they opted out for um, time saving versus, uh, you know, versus being healthy because being healthy was either A, too expensive or B, it was too, uh, too much of a time constraint. And then that moved into this bodybuilding arena where now we've got you know, bodybuilders that have created these simple recipes like the chicken and rice diet, which we found that actually has a lot of macronutrient deficiencies. And so that has led into all these different things. And now we can literally set up this service where I can order my food. It can get either delivered pre-made or I can have my groceries delivered to my home or I can order, you know, high quality, uh, grass fed, grass finished steak, high quality produce, whatever the case may be to now taking it a step further, which is like, Hey, let's see what Jim has to say in completely becoming self-reliant in the things that you should provide for yourself and for your family. And I hope that is a good, uh, introduction to what you're about to say, 
but that's kind of yes. like my perspective on how I've I seen things it. kind of yes. formulate. You have a very wise perspective and there's several parts of that I want to speak to. One is the idea that it's convenient to go to a fast food restaurant, right? Yeah. Okay, yes, you might save 30 minutes at your meal, scarfing down some things that are modified so your taste buds are fooled into having more by scientists whose only job it is to get you to eat more of their poisons, right? Is it truly convenient? When you step back about two feet, you can say, no, it's not convenient at all because that food is not only going to cost you a couple hours of energy per day, but it's going to cost you decades of energy per life. Literally, right. you're going to lose decades of life if you eat those poisons more than you eat the good stuff, right? So that's, that's one thing. And so then I like to speak to this idea that ordering these foods is convenient on a macro level as well. When we look at the why, I, so 14 years ago, I found out what was going on in the world. I started studying permaculture. I red-pilled and I had my first two daughters all at the same time. And when I learned that we are destroying our earth on so many levels, I went through this period of, I was kind of pissed. I was kind of depressed and I'm like, I didn't, and I'm an optimist, right? So I didn't see a solution. And then I read Bill Mollison's quote, though the problems of our world are increasingly complex, the solutions remain embarrassingly simple. And I started the ball and I have spent the last 12 years obsessed with the question, what is the solution? What is the idea whose time has come and how can we catalyze a shift in consciousness to bring these solutions and ideas to the masses in a way that is not at the point of a gun or with threat of incarceration, but in a way that is inspired, where we show people, we demonstrate to people that this is best for you on an individual level, on every level, this is best for your family. So that's where this idea of permanent permaculture, which stands for permanent culture, comes in. Uh, Bill Mollison and David Holmgren, and, and now millions more around the world, have demonstrated the logic of growing perennial edible landscapes in place of the 40 million acres of lawn in the United States. The lawn is the biggest mass brainwashing scam of all time. It's the least beneficial crop known to mankind, and yet it's where we cover our yards with. When we turn 50% of that into what I'm talking about, which is a food forest that works by natural systems and takes as much maintenance as the jungle or the forest down the road, which is none, if you do it correctly, we change the world. Wow. Um, okay. Mentioned a few things that I want to uh, touch on. Cool. Uh, there's a lot of information there. So when we talk about, when we talk about like the idea of a food forest, I mean, we have to talk about like energy systems, money, you know, water source, um, education, as far as understanding, like what we are doing, um, you know, what, what kind of landscape are we looking at? How much landscape do we need? Can we, is this something that everybody can do in their backyard? If they have a backyard, what if they don't have a backyard? Let's say they live in like an apartment complex. Is this something that they can provide? Do we have like, what are the prerequisites in being able to establish something like this? If you have a space where you live, you can establish, you can start growing food easily. In fact, I would suggest everybody starts growing potatoes or sweet potatoes right away. They're one of the best yeah. crops, especially when you've got a food supply chain disaster in the progress, 
right? The short-term food supply is in big trouble. The long-term is completely destroyed. Um, so you asked a bunch of good questions. How logical is it? Well, our target market is the suburban backyard. And yet we launched 10 months ago and we're now serving 20 countries in almost every U.S. state. And I'll get into wow. some of the details on that. Yeah, it's, it's 20, going viral. 20 months ago, you said? Uh, 10 months ago on 10? the high wire with Dell Big Tree. Wow. Wow, and that is. we've exploded. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's some that's some insane growth. Insane. Um, Millions of dollars have come in and billionaires and super Emmy award winning actors and producers have all joined us and we are literally in process of this idea going viral. Anti -viral. Wow. Wow. Um this is something that I would be 1000% um like invested in. Something that I would want to do for myself and for my family. Uh, you know, my wife already has a green thumb, so it would make things a, a lot easier. But even si as simple as just like growing your own potatoes and sweet potatoes, I can't tell you, like that's our number one carbohydrate um, source, like more so than rice is a form of a potato in our household. Yeah. Um, and so being able to grow our own and then have an abundance of it, that would be phenomenal. It is so phenomenal. So I'll get into the kind of the details of how a, per a permaculture landscape works. So if all we did, we take the ornamental landscapes that are in HOAs and backyards around the world, and we turn those into more functional plants. And what function would we add? The ability to eat it. Right? If we just did that, that would be enough to radically change the world. And it would take out 30, 40% of the farmland would go back to nature immediately. Now, if we add more and turn, like I said, 50% of our yards, then when you, and I'll, you, you mentioned price too, like that's a number one barrier to entry for a lot of people. You could go and plant one peach tree and then create a guild around the peach tree. And what's a guild? It's simply a community of plants that like each other, that benefit each other. So you've got some flowers in there and those will attract the, the bees and the pollinators and the butterflies. Then you've got some nitrogen fixers in there, which also provide food, legumes like beans and sweet peas. And, and you've got several different types of berry bushes along the perimeter of the peach tree. Some of them like more sun, some of them like less sun. And that's what the science of permaculture shows people how to create these guilds that are literally less maintenance. And you can get hundreds and hundreds of healthy vine ripened nutrient dense snacks, dense snacks per year from one fruit tree guild. Wow. What about, so <clears throat> like, what about uh, geographical area? Like, what what can I plant versus when can I plant versus what, you know, uh, how much can I produce? If I just like I just have a, you know, I have a decent yard, um, you know, I would say a little bit bigger than average, I guess yeah. you could say. Um, and I, if I could, let's say I want to utilize all of it. Um, what kind of things could I could I grow uh, that could be, I, I guess, in some cases year round, like there's always something yeah. that is producing for for me so you sound like you're in a place where there's no snow or not much snow very yeah very little if it does it's it's yeah it's minute it's a so i'm in central florida i lived 12 years in costa rica and i grew up in minnesota 
my buddy who lives at the tip of Lake Superior has 300 species of edible and medicinal plants growing in his permaculture landscape. He has so much production for three to four months of the year that they can can and they can use that production to uh -huh. make a complete living off of that production, right? That's in Northern Minnesota. I was just talking wow. to another buddy of mine and he said, I'm in Minnesota, I can't grow food. I'm like, oh my gosh, my mom grew up without water and electricity in Minnesota and they grew all the food they needed and they didn't know permaculture, they used annuals. And this is a, an important distinction. An annual is the crops that you hear about in the veggie section of the grocery store. A perennial are the fruits and berries. Perennials last for generations. In fact, there's an olive tree on the Greek Isle of Crete that was planted over 2000 years ago and is still producing olives to this day. Wow. So that's a perennial. Annuals take a little more work. Perennials take really, you can, you can leave them for 30 years or 5,000 years and, so, and they'll, they'll just be, they'll create abundance. So what is this that you are offering to people? Is it a system? Is it a done for you service? Is it like yes. an all-in-one? What, what does this look like? So my joyful obsession is to ask the question and then fill in the gaps. This is a puzzle. We're looking at the puzzle for freedom of humanity. Uh, to end world hunger is literally the most logical and easy thing we could do. If we spent 1% of the war budget on doing what I'm talking about, we would end world hunger in 10 years completely forever, for at least for seven generations or more. If we spent 1% of the church's net worth to do this, we'd have the Garden of Eden everywhere, right? And this is, again, this is not hypothetical. It's demonstrable, and it's being demonstrated all over the world. Did that answer your question? I got off on a fun tangent. Oh, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's basically, it's, uh, it is a system that you're providing for people, but it's- Oh, yes. It, it's custom tailored for every situation? Yes, that's right. So every design we do, every customer that comes in and says, I would like to turn my yard into from a liability to an asset. So everything starts with the design process. So we've got 41 professional food forest landscape designers on our team right now. And that was 20 three months ago. Right. And so we're inviting more designers as the world grow, wakes up to the reality of what's going on. It's just it's explosive growth. So we start by finding out what agricultural zone the client is in. That's the number one thing because we base our plant selection on what's, what grows normally and naturally in that area already. And this is where it blows people's minds. There used to be, they thought there were maybe 10,000 different varieties of edibles. Now they know it's infinite. It's literally wow. infinite. Yeah. Wow. So the second step then, once we find out the ag zone, is what does the client want? What is the goal of the customer? Do they want to have more annuals? Do they want to have perennials? Do they want a nursery? Do they want an education system? Do they want just to feed themselves or their community or their family? And we can stack all of those functions into a single food forest designed either in a HOA-approved landscape or designed in a backyard with centropic agroforestry, which is just a fancy way to say rows and rows of a diversity of food. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Like this yeah. is what, what gave you this idea? A lot of meditation, my friend. I love the name habits of the few. Thank you. Meditation is the foundation of freeing our mind from the govern, which means to manage or control, and mente, which means mind. 
right? What is the opposite of mind control? It's a free mind. Meditation is the foundation of that. And then once we realize, we see through our real eyes clearly that fear and scarcity and all of these forms of manipulation. In fact, Gierta said, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. And so when I realized what was the truth of the world, I said, okay, how do I get free? And then that's when I started deep meditation. I've had several, quite a few ayahuasca ceremonies and different ways of meditating and different ways to connect with who I am in a natural source, God-given being and let go of the programming. And then all of a sudden these ideas keep coming and it's just, it's really been fun. Brother, we, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna have to have a chat off camera. But uh, so real quick, I actually just had a conversation a couple weeks ago with uh, a clinical psychiatrist who um, actually is uh, well-informed with ayahuasca. It's something that I've actually been wanting to um, attempt and, and try myself only because I feel like the human capacity is limited because of the belief systems that we have structured throughout our society. And it's like, if you can remove what originates as part of the system um, and get rid of that thinking and whatever your reality, your version of reality, your belief system that has been accumulated over years of, you know, circumstance and environment and culture and what have you, I think that you as a, as, a, as a human being could evolve exponentially. And a lot of times you may not even realize like yourself, like you're either doing the wrong things or the things that you should be doing, um, you haven't even like grasped at all yet. So my question to you, my friend, is was this in the spectrum of knowledge and expertise that you had uh, developed or was this a completely different turn of events? Like you coming to uh, this realization through meditation and, and eye-opening ventures or, or was it not? So they call me nature boy growing up. So there's something in who I am. I always love nature. And then I right. got away from that. And then I, I started a mortgage company, did about $1.3 billion in sales in three years. I bought a board. I lived on the ocean. I got bored silly. And I was like, this sucks. I, I need to do something. I moved to Costa Rica. And that's when I learned about permaculture by being criticized you know, I was doing this golf course development. And the first thing I did was buy a fruit tree nursery and build and start planting fruit trees along the fairways, which I still think is the coolest thing in the freaking world. But I was getting heavy criticism from these people saying, you're doing it wrong. You're destroying our environment. I was turning a cattle pasture into a living system, but I get what they were saying now. I didn't, I was ignorant to be open to being wrong is one of the most incredible things. Every time that I'm proven wrong, it elevates me to a new level of understanding. It's such a beautiful thing to be wrong and to realize it, right? So, so did, to answer did you just question, say, yeah. sorry to interrupt you, but did you say understanding? Yes. I don't stand under anybody except for that source. Is fascinating. You know, I, I, uh, not to interrupt because I want to continue this, this, this topic, but I, uh, I've recently have been in, in a place of the, uh, one of my, one of my dear friends who has been in like an uninformed, not an uninformed, but unintentional mentor to me, um, who has been helping me really understand language and how language is such a detriment or, uh, an uplifting thing. 
So the fact that you said understanding versus understanding, like I know to everybody listening right now, like that just sounds so it could it could even sound like almost unnecessary and irrelevant. But if you really think about it for a second and really stay true to what what like just think about like what, what do we do when things don't go our way? We're like, oh, God, like I didn't get that deal. I must be I just must suck or or that negative self-talk comes in or you're just you're, you're coming from a place of like victimhood or negativity. And it's like the language that you are saying to yourself in your head and out loud and to other people have a dramatic influence. So the fact that you said, understand, that just struck me so hard and so deep. And I know it sounds silly, but it's huge. And I just appreciate that. And I just had to share that. So thank you, man. Yeah, you're welcome, brother. It's Follow the feeling. So uh, Tesla said, if you want to find the secrets to the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. And yeah. I emphasize the word think because I don't think he said that. And if he did, he misspoke. Experience, feel in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. You can't think vibration, but you can feel it. So when we start feeling our vibration and we start experiencing it, then we can start actually affecting it. And when we start affecting it, my, I mean, I, the hairs on my arm are going up right now. That was an intended consequence, which the medical system of our world says there is no psychosomatic relationship. There's no mind-body relationship. They're two different things, which is the most insane freaking logic I can ever imagine. What they've proven now over and over is that there's a direct connection. In fact, it's the same. So the words that we choose, and even that word choice is a complete, that, that word's a false narrative by itself because the word choice implies that there's an awareness of choice when everybody wow. always does the best they can with what they have in their three forms of BS, belief systems, bad science, and bullshit, and programming. So when we lift above that by allowing source or God to guide us, it's just amazing what comes do you have a podcast by any chance i'm uh, just starting one yeah god i i'm gonna be a subscriber let me know when you're when it's awesome. live that is dude like i can't here's the thing like i i i when you talk to people and whether or not they have found tremendous success and the things that they build out of brilliance creativity you know understanding connection purpose whatever you want to call it because like what you've been able to what you've been able to build uh, that was driven by uh, unwavering purpose um, has has been nothing short of, like in my definition, a miracle. And what I define to be a miracle is when when purpose and and um, uh, when purpose and uh, uh, yeah, just meet at, at, in the middle. Yes. And that's the that's the thing. It's just like I I always say, like, gosh, if that's the thing that I believe everyone should strive to achieve. But then that takes the purity away from of, of it all, essentially, because everything in our world, in our system is so logical and methodical and linear. And it's like the things that you really need to do are the things you need to let go of. Yes. Um, and I don't want to necessarily turn this into a philosophical conversation, but my God, man, like, oh, like I'm just, dude, I'm moved. I'm moved because you were in this place. You had these experiences and then you were able to not only be self-aware, but, but be guided. And whatever that thing is, like, I think people just, myself included, we close off, we put this barricade, like it can't be that. 
it can't be that easy or it can't be that because that doesn't make any sense or that's not the thing that I've been doing my whole life. And so we suffer. We have identity crisis. We suffer because we feel like we have these responsibilities and the, the you know, the, the system of things creates for us this, this perception of who we're supposed to be. And my God, man, all it does is just bring down this wave of negativity. And that's where depression starts to come. And that's, which again, that's a whole nother topic of conversation because depression, I think is self-inflicting. I don't think it's anything to do with your brain per se, but Anyways, I just, I am moved, man. I am moved. And if I wasn't, I wouldn't be this like excited. Um, so <laughs> Napoleon anyway. Hill said, yeah. whatever the mind of man or woman can conceive or believe it can achieve. And I step back from these quotes that have stood the test of the time. And I say, and I meditate, I sit with those quotes and I say, what is true about that? Is that the truth or is that yeah. just fancy poetic words? In my experience, and by the way, I've went through so, the failures in my life have been the best gifts, the best presence of my life by far. That's where I learned the most, right? So when we look at our failures and we, we focus on them and say, why me? Well, let's change the language. Let's say, what's good yeah. about this? What's incredible about this? What did I learn from this? Right? So when we can really reflect back, separate ourselves a little bit if we have to, and that's sometimes very good to do. So get a little bit disassociated with that particular energy, and then you'll find yourself relaxing a little bit, and then you can look at it with a more clear lens, and then you can ask the question, what is wonderful? What did I learn? Because there's always, always, always an incredible gift in every situation like that. That's beautiful, man. How, how did you, what led you to, so was it the Costa Rica thing or, or was it something before? Like you made a ton of money and you realized that you were either being unfulfilled or you weren't happy, but there had to be some level of self-awareness before you even transitioned, right? So it's a step-by-step -step process. It's a moment-by-moment -moment in the present process where I meditate. Somebody you meditate? Yeah, all day long, yeah. bit by bit. Sometimes I'm completely like right now, deep breath, allow my mind. As soon as I do that, I can hear the ring, the buzzing. I can feel my hands. Like I can feel energy. Someday I might be able to move energy. I'm not sure. I can't do it yet. Not like that. <laughs> right. But I can inspire cool. energy to move. I can do that. And it's happening. And so can everybody. And that's the thing. Everybody has the same tools. Bruce Lipton, one of my teachers, he was looking through the cell. He was a, an atheist guy who didn't believe in anything other than the mechanical nature of the universe. And he peeled back the layer of the DNA in the cell and he goes, oh, my God. The signal comes from out here. It does not come from in here. And when he saw that and understood the meaning of that, that's when he became spiritual. And I was like, wow. man, that was profound. Wow. So this was, was he an atheist most of his life? Yeah, he was a hardcore scientist, atheist guy who the science that he was trying to use to prove the mechanics of life turned him into a spiritual person. Wow. That's incredible. That is incredible. So how, how has been this transformative experience for you um, into building something that you feel driven towards? Like this was, this was, this was something that maybe had been aligned with your purpose, your new purpose. Like how has that been 
different than you building a company uh, in, in the mortgage industry that yeah. made a ton of money um, and maybe we were fulfilled briefly financially because I don't know your personal story. I don't know if you grew up rich. I don't know if you grew up poor. I don't know if you grew up middle class. I don't know any of that. Yeah. But when you earn it for yourself, there's a different level of like, I don't want to say pride, but like a, a certain level of like respect for yourself. Like I was able to yeah. accomplish this, like yeah. kudos to me. Like, yes, yeah. I learned some skills that were, I was able to adapt and this is what I was able to build from it. Yeah. How was it different than building this company? So my dad was a pipe fitter. My mom was a stay at home mom. And um, so I grew up like that. And, you know, we, they partied hard every weekend and we had a lot of fun. I lived down a lake, you know, in a, in a really small kind of suburban house. Um, but I was in the pond every day. So that was kind of the little bit of the backstory. Um, I got into wrestling and that's when I learned about dedication. Um, I ended up being a, a inducted in the National Hall of Fame after writing my goals. And the goals were so important because what a goal does and to this now, now where I am now, I don't write goals as much. Instead, I meditate. But the value of making that progression, goals are incredibly valuable. And what they do is they create a future that's compelling. And then that future is something that draws you forward. And uh, Tony Robbins, by the way, at UPW, he does a great class on the motivations that are you, you, you have a negative motivation behind you. And you look back on that and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to go this way. And then you have a beautiful motivation in front of you and you move towards that step by step by step. And that's the, pro it's a process. And then here's the biggest part. The most relevant part is Joseph Campbell's follow your bliss. The emotions are my compass. When I feel shitty, then I know I'm thinking shitty thoughts. When mm -hmm. I feel depressed or lethargic or anything other than inspirited, enthusiastic, when I feel anything other than alive, then I know that I'm on off the path. And so I go, oh, wait a minute. I don't feel very good. Deep breath, meditate, relax, go play a game, go fishing, go hug my wife, go serve somebody. And then when we realize that serving when, when serving is done with the knowledge that I'm benefiting as much or more than the person I'm serving, when that realization comes through, life opens up in such epic ways. There's no words to describe it. it I, I completely agree with you. And I think it, if you want to take it a step further, it's when, um, it's when whatever it is that you're doing that is serving is also aligned with your purpose, which is aligned with... I guess the the version of you that you are at that time um, stems to more growth. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was so undecided with what I wanted to do because I've always, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur for majority of my adult life and completely removed, like almost giving up on a company that was producing a very, very great lifestyle for my family and myself only because it was no longer fulfilling me, I, I had about a, you know, 16 to 18 month hiatus where I was really struggling with who I was and identity. And there we go, right? Labeling, like labeling ourselves. Like, why do we have to attach a label to who we are? Why can't I just be Mo who just does this stuff? Like I'm Mo, I have a podcast. I also have this. I also do this. I also do that. It doesn't mean that who I am is a podcast host or who I am as an entrepreneur. 
just I'm Mo. Like that's it. That's who I am. So I love that because it's so rare to see a lot of these really ultra successful people in life. They're very driven to something, but it's like, uh, are you really like, is it really purpose driven or is it driven because you have this addiction to work and to, you know, have a stronger second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, whatever the case may be. And, and that's what I love about your story. And, and we haven't really talked much about this, but I, I, I'm curious to know, like, how is, I'm sure it's really time constraining doing what you're doing right now. And yes. even though it's exciting and even though it's aligned with your purpose and it's the thing that you are meant to do right now, how is that affecting your family life? If you so, have children, wife, what yeah, have you? I have four daughters. They are my primary motivation. Um, Beautiful. It, you know, pa most, most parents that I know. Girl dad as we well. Were, I've got three, three daughters myself. Is that amazing? I feel Dude. so blessed. It's just amazing. And so we're designers. We're permaculture designers. So the first thing we want to design is our lives. Yeah. Right. I have not, I work about 10, 20 minutes a day. And when I say work, that means I'm really not enjoying it. And I used to work three or four hours a day. And then I, before that I worked 10 hours a day. Now I play all day long. And in fact, our company's foundation is Nash's equilibrium. Before uh, John Nash, Adam Smith um, wrote economic theory, which prevailed for 150 years. And that theory was in an economic system, do what everybody in a group should do what's best for them. And that will be good for the economy. Nash added the most simple and logical words. He said, do what's best for you and others. When you do what's best for you and it's also good for others, then we've got a regenerative capitalist voluntary economy that serves everybody, that there is no hunger, that there is no suffering, that there's no scarcity. So that's the economy. So that's, that's why our company's different, I think, than a lot of them out there, because we plan to be obsolete in 20 years. Wow. Our goal, we're like a homeopathic doctor. Our primary business is designing and installing food forests. When people realize that a food force is the most logical and beneficial thing they could do for their wallet, for their health, and for their society, then it's going to be very rapidly everywhere. And in 20 years, we're not going to have a job, but that's okay because there'll be abundance everywhere. So what do you plan on doing in 20 years? Oh man, I'm going to sit. So we're building an off-grid community here in central Florida and it's called Galt's Landing after John Galt from Atlas Shrugged. And we are, it's completely off-grid, including food. We're planting food forests there every, everywhere right now. Um, we started seven months ago and we've got hundreds of perennials in the ground and over a hundred different species of food already. And we'll have a thousand before we're done. In fact, wow. I'll never be done. That's my lifetime. That my joyful duty is in, oh, we're also creating a stage on site. And I, that's where I'm going to demonstrate freedom every day. I'm going to show people that it's simple and it's logical and it's beautiful to create the Garden of Eden everywhere. Wow. That, that is remarkable. Do you mind me asking how many, like how big is the space? Yes. Yeah, so it's a 52 acre plot. We have 10 sold, home sites we sold out. 
Um, and it's on a private 430 acre lake where we've got the only dock and which is just Beautiful. a mind boggling because I'm a, I was grew up on a lake as a bass fisherman. And now I've got this, it, the way it's coming together and I'll share another miraculous story with you. So after launching on the high wire with Dale Big Tree, I get a call from the producer of the crocodile hunter. And the producer wow. said, Jim, we'd like to shine a light on you. They took Steve Irwin from a guy who owned a little zoo in the middle of nowhere to Steve Irwin, right? When he died, I, I actually cried. I love that guy. It was my favorite show for 10 years of my life. So the fact that the producer of my favorite show for a big part of my life calls me up and says, let's do a show. I was like instantly, yes, because that's how the universe works. Two days later, I get a call from Adrian from Entourage. And he, and he was my favorite actor for five years of my life in my 30s. I get a call from the producer and my favorite actor back to back. And we just did the first pilot of a TV show called The Land of Plenty. And a major network has offered to buy it or offered, they, they want it, but we're not quite ready to sell it based on the, the contract, which could limit my rights to free speech, which I will not have. And so we're negotiating. My point is that kind of thing is happening every day, all day long. It's, it's really pretty cool. How do you get so close into alignment like that? Like for the people oh, listening. A lot of silent time, a lot of, and I mean, I've got kids running around. It's incredibly busy here. That's okay. I have no thoughts in my head. It really is peaceful. Yeah. Imagine this is, this is your head and there's a thought and a thought. And the thoughts are grinding together. You can't have a new idea when you don't have space between the thoughts. The law of attraction, the most powerful law in the universe is not woo-woo. It's logical. If you have a particular thought, then the odds are the next thought is in alignment with that thought. Right? So we have to, we get to, we don't have to do anything. We get to interrupt the patterns of our mind. And then start writing the things we're positive for. Start writing the ways we want to serve in a way that makes us feel inspired. Start actually reaching out when we feel it. Don't take action unless it's inspired action. And then take action until it starts getting to the edge of friction. And then back up. And then go. So you said something that was really simple to understand, which is, your thoughts are grinding against each other. You can't have any ideas if you, there's no space in between them. So the That's way right. that we can create space is by meditating. Playing, and meditating, yes. So cre anything that inspires creativity, essentially, the brain that doesn't, like thinking of not thinking or not yes. thinking. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, this is a big question, but has a multitude of answers and <clears throat> I think it's best when it's really simplified. And I feel like you're the perfect person for this. How can anyone listening right now that's never done it before, how can they meditate? Breathing. <clears throat> Feel, feeling is different than thinking. When you're feeling, you're in your body. Right. That's why a lot of people who've been abused, they will cut themselves to feel because they're so disassociated with how they feel that they don't feel right. So bring yourself and your attention back. People are looking for out of the body experiences. No, let's have an in the body experience. That's where the magic is. 
deep breath and just feel your body. Put your attention on the space between your hands and your feet. There's nothing there, right? So when your attention goes to where there's nothing, it helps the thoughts. And one of my favorite teachers is Dr. Joe Dispenza. He does an incredible bit on this. He's my favorite. When I want to meditate deeply, I'll go look to uh, do a uh, tape with Dr. Joe. And he'll say, put the space, put your attention on the space in between your eyes or behind your head or something. And it's just like, there's nothing there. And then now I've been doing that for so long. Now I'm one breath away from a clear mind at any moment. Just like anything in life, the more practice that you do at that thing, the better you become at that thing. Um, I'm with you there. I think Dr. Joe Dispenza is a brilliant man. I love a lot of his, um, I think I, I remember when I first started with this like ch chakra quiz and then I got into some of his, some of his tapes, um, which, uh, like rewired and some other ones where I would just literally, I remember he had this like 10 minute one and I was like, gosh, I, I just need to, there's my equilibrium's off. Everything's off. I'm not in a good space. I'm stressed out. I'm angry. I don't know why I'm angry. Like, you know, like when you're in those yeah, moods yeah, yeah, and you're just yeah, like, yeah. what is happening right now? It's like, I'm, yeah. I'm deciding not to be angry, but you might need a little kick. And, and so those are, those are great to just kind of get into. Um, yeah, and I want to real quick, there's a book by called Molecules of Emotion, where I believe it was Candace Pert, who was an MIT gal, very sharp woman. She found and, and put a science to the fact that emotions can get stored in the tissue of the body if they're unrealized, right? They get stored. We get pissed off about something. And instead of expressing or letting that energy wave go through us, we clamp down on it because we don't want to go. And then you clamp, that's what PTSD is. It's the clamping down and not having these experiences. And that's where, for some people, that's where um, meditation is huge. Maybe ayahuasca, maybe a guided meditation, maybe a, a regression of some kind. But do I would suggest doing anything you can imagine to let go of those stored emotions. And then once you start cleansing, then all of a sudden it just becomes easier and we experience less of those. I've been, I've had that feeling where I'm like, I just feel pissed off. What the hell is going on mm -hmm. here? <sighs> it's like, you don't necessarily know where it came from. It's like, why is it there right now? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's an emotional memory, but you don't have an awareness of. That. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Perfectly said. Um, I want people to experience, um, becoming self-reliant. So how can they participate and how can I participate? Yes. Where do we awesome. do this? So we have a website, it's foodforestabundance.com. Okay. And you can participate in many different ways. Everything starts with design. Let's design our systems, our lives, our properties logically in a way that produces abundance. And we started 10 months ago, it was me and two part-timers. Now we have 350 people around the world. Most of us are full-time helping wow. people grow food. That's incredible. And, yeah. And, and the cooperative business is incredible as well. If you want to be in the business of helping people grow food, then we've created an, a little tiny backstory. Um, Please. Are you, do we cut off in five or is there a- We're good. Timing? Keep going. 
Okay. So I spent about a quarter million getting a franchise document ready and it had 244 pages of FDD and 89 pages of ops manual. And it made me sick. I held this every line in there represented some legal means of control. Control is an illusion. I threw the whole pile of shit in the trash. And now we have a two page document that speaks to the voluntary exchange of value. We have no patents, we have no NDAs, we have no non-competes. We want to inspire people to grow food and we want we have created the foundation where that is so logical and beneficial that our mission is to serve our cooperative partners. So if anybody out there wants to be in the most radically beneficial business, and by the way, it's very well positioned. The food supply chain is in big trouble. So helping people grow food, it's, it's basically, it's a landscaping business, but it's a very productive foodscaping business. And so, so from a, from a business standpoint, um, people can learn and create essentially like, uh, a business out of it, out of your business, kind of like a franchise, but without the strings. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah. And, and also have the benefit of not only that, but teaching others and perhaps, um, you know, creating, creating wealth for themselves all the while, uh, you know, essentially spreading this word, which is, Hey, let's, let's all become self-reliant in a sense. That's exactly. That's exactly right. And we have now Grow Green Global, which we inspired, and that's a financing arm. So people can finance their business. They could finance the creation of a nursery. And they so they could do that. And we're also coming to market with Topia, which is the first currency that I'm aware of in the world that is linked directly to food production. So people who grow food forests, they get Topia. They don't pay anything for it, but those Topia have huge value. Those are, in essence, that turns a backyard food forest into a bank in which you can trade your crypto on the market. So that is going to be a, a currency that radically changes the world. That's amazing. And how many, how many people, I guess, right now, you said 300 around the world, but how many people um, have not only gone on the business side, but have just everyday people that want to become self-reliant. Do you have a number for that? Or is it, is it the same? The Gosh, it's no, it's many more hundreds than that. We've had hundreds and hundreds of design customers. These are our families typically that have designed their space to be a functional food forest space. And then here's the best part. Every one of them want to be a demonstrator to their friends and their community. And this is the seed that with nourishment goes just, this changes the world. We are going to end world hunger and mass extinction and deforestation by doing what's best for us as individuals, as families and communities. That's beautiful. I absolutely love that. I wish, I wish for everyone to, to, to at least attempt to do this. I know I'm going to, I'm going to show this to my wife tonight. Um, you know, this is something that she would be all for, uh, and I'm all for it because I've just been wanting to, to, to be self-reliant and talk about having a roadmap, like. It can't get any simpler than this. Like you've already figured it out. So why reinvent the wheel, right? Yeah, yeah, yes. And, and if you want to leave, you can leave. There's no strings. It's just, hey, we are so valuable that people are like 7%. Are you kidding me? I'm ha I mean, it's with like a partner who gets 7% to do all the junky work. You know, all the, all the details that most people who want to be out in the field, they don't want. I don't want to be behind the computer. I love this, but I don't want to be typing and doing right. that. I want to be in the field. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, 
where can people connect with you if they want to connect with you and just learn more about you personally? So foodforestabundance.com is our website, uh, Food Forest Abundance. And then um, we're all over social media. And Jim, my name is Jim Gale. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of through the website. I'm very accessible. Um, now, with all the TV shows and stuff going on, I intend to remain incredibly accessible. Um, sometimes I just can't call back for a day or two. I appreciate you doing that. That's so kind of you. Thank you, my man. This this has been Absolutely. this has been awesome. I'm awesome, really buddy. pumped.